Welcome to the Up Level Dairy Podcast. This is the podcast for dairy owners, managers, and their trusted advisors who are looking to take themselves and their businesses to their next level of performance, resilience, and success in the dairy farming business. I'm your host, Peggy Coffeen, and it's my mission to bring you the stories and thought leaders to help take you to your next up level. If you are looking for ways to better manage dried manure solids for bedding, or what it could look like to bring a non-family managing partner into your dairy farming business, you are in the right place because today our guest is successfully doing both. We are here with Jeremy Natsky at Wayside Dairy, a fifth generation dairyman and partner in this business that includes 2,100 cows, 1,600 replacements, and more than 30 employees just outside of Green Bay, Wisconsin. This episode is brought to you by Uplevel Dairy Podcast founding partner Adiseo, a global leader in nutritional solutions and premier provider of ruin-protected methionine for dairy producers who want to optimize milk production, capture more value from components, and maintain the health of their high-performing herds. Welcome to the Uplevel Dairy Podcast, Jeremy. If you're looking for ways to better manage dried manure solids for bedding or what it could look like to bring a non-family member into your dairy farming business, you're in the right place because our guest today is doing both very, very well. And so we are talking with Jeremy Natsky at Wayside Dairy. Jeremy's a fifth generation dairyman and partner in this business that includes 2,100 cows, 1,600 replacements, and more than 30 employees right outside of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Welcome to the Up Level Dairy Podcast, Jeremy. Thank you for having me, Peggy. Yeah, so so Jeremy, one of the things that I'm hearing a lot from other dairy producers out there as they're looking to get involved in some of these RNG projects and digesters, that means that some of them are upcoming on a, a big switch, and that is from their gold standard of sand bedding that they've been used to for many, many years to adapting to dried manure solids. And so that's one of the things that I want to tap into your expertise on today, because you've been doing this for a while. How long ago did you make that switch? So we made the switch back in March of last year. Uh, we were transferring over from sand. So what we did is we did it one one group at a time where we would take out the sand and then start filling the beds with the solids. And we took it, uh, we took about a two-month process to do that. And we could adjust every, for every pen that we did. We might have uh, tweaked a thing or two here or there just to make it more smooth for the next group. Yeah. So you bit it off in small chunks, the conversion process. Yeah, it was, uh, we actually replaced some free stalls at the same time. So what we did is we emptied one group and just grouped those cows with all the other pens. And then we did one group at a time. There were some weeks where we actually did two groups at a time where we would, uh, take the freestyle loops out and then we'd take the sand out and then we uh put in the new freestalls and then we would put bedding uh start putting the solids um on top on top of the old sand once we dug out the old sand ah 
I see. And and you mentioned, Jeremy, earlier, uh, just a moment ago, that every time you started doing that conversion to a new group, you learned some new things along the way. So I'm curious if you could share with us, what were a couple of the biggest challenges that came up during this conversion process? Well, um, it's interesting. You know, you've got so many different people that you work with on the farm from your mechanic to the middle managers, to to the other fellow owners. And one of the things that I, I struggled with at first was how much sand do I actually need to take out before I can start putting new solids in? You know, do you, do you take it down to the way bottom? Do you leave the bottom six inches or so? So we, we probably took out about eight inches, I would say. Um, and we, we didn't completely dig all the sand out uh, just to have that base. And we knew that we weren't going to, get that sand um, back up to into all the other solids. Obviously, my mechanic, who is the one that works on things, he wanted all the sand out, and I said, I, I'm not going to be able to take all the sand out. That's just that's too much. And at the time, we weren't making a lot of bedding yet, so we were buying everything in, and so I kind of had to juggle that a little bit. Like, um, You know, it, it has to be practical. It also has to be economical. Yeah. So, so step number one for you guys, it sounds like was kind of just finding that sweet spot for how much sand did it make sense to take out, leave that base and then start being able to bring in the dried solids as they were available. Cause like it, like you said, uh, you weren't manufacturing enough internally to be able to fulfill that supply right away. Correct. Correct. And then we got into a good uh, routine with our crew that was taking out the freestalls and putting in the freestalls because we were bringing in an outside source to do some of the welding. So we really had to communicate. I mean, it was constant communication about when are we doing this pen? When are we going to do the next pen? And then how are we going to do the pens in the barns? Are we going to, you know, we wanted to do it the right way. We wanted to kind of space it out a little bit so it wasn't all in one barn in case we had problems with the, uh, the shuttle or the cross gutter scraper that we have in the barn. Um, and then as we got to scraping the material, uh, we found out that it doesn't quite flow like sand does. We actually had to do some adding of some water to make it flow through the manure channel. Otherwise, uh, the grates that were, that we scraped the manure through the grates actually would get pushed up a little bit because there was so much dry product going in. So that was all a, something that we learned along the way. Yeah. So being able to handle that, uh, that different type of um, consistency in the manure that was was going down um, through the alley uh, and being scraped down. And like you said, having to kind of clean that out uh, with some water addition, it sounds like. Yeah, that was that was something that we didn't really expect. Um, obviously, the bedding soaks up a lot of that moisture and you really rely on that moisture to make things flow through them in her channel. And so that was a, that was a big eye opener for us. Yeah. Yeah. So there is the, um, that, that piece of handling the product, uh, in the stalls. Um, can you speak for a moment too? Were, were there certain challenges that you faced when it came to just kind of finding, you know, again, what that sweet spot was for the amount of dried solids to, to keep in the stalls and how to maintain it, uh, in the stalls? Yes. So that's a very good, very good question. So um, 
one thing, one thing we learned uh, early on is that we need to level. Um, we had a straight pipe uh, leveler that we used for sand and that uh, didn't have a lot of down pressure on it. And so we figured out early on that we needed to purchase a leveler. Um, it's on, it's like a mechanical leveler. It's almost like a facer that goes into the bedding and it, it really smooths it out, um, kind of fluffs it up a little bit. It doesn't go too deep in that it doesn't work up all the stuff from the bottom, but it just fluffs it up enough that you get a nice level bed and then the cows will actually lay on it. Cause what we were seeing is we were getting an uneven, uh, uneven freestall bed. So then the cows were looking at not wanting to lay down. They were doing lots of perching, uh, lots of standing around, and um, this made them a lot more comfortable. Yeah. So so this piece of the puzzle was finding that right amount and depth to put in the stalls and then maintaining it with the leveler. Um, how did, what, what is that leveler when you refer to that piece of equipment? Just paint us a little picture. What does that look like? Uh, what kind of you know implement is it and how does it work? So it's, uh, we have ours on the front of a skid steer and what it is, is it's an arm that will fold up, but then it will also, when you want to start leveling, it'll start going down and the auger will turn on simultaneously. And then you keep that at a certain level and it's got a guide on there so that it, it goes right up against the concrete curve. So you're not going in too far. Um, ours was custom made and, uh, manufacturer that made it, made it asked a lot of questions like, what are your freestall dimensions? What's the clearance underneath the bottom freestall? Because we still do have some loops that are still connected at the bottom. And so they custom make it so that it doesn't hit the bottom of the freestall. It doesn't run into the curve. And then they ask questions like, how thick is your curve? How long is your curb? Uh, does your curb slant down? Those kinds of things. Because they can make the teeth uh, at different lengths. So it's just right for your farm. Oh, wow. So you really found the right partner that was willing to customize uh, that leveler. And who was that partner that you worked with on that? Uh, that was uh, Fridge Corporation in uh, Greenleaf. Um, and he custom makes them for anybody that needs them. Yeah. So lucky for you, a nice local business close by. Yes. Uh, also, it was it took like three weeks to make it. And today's day and age, that's almost unbelievable if you want something in three weeks made from scratch. Yeah, no kidding. So so would you say that this piece of equipment was a game changer when you were going through this transition period? Definitely. Definitely. Um, you know, like I said, we the cows would lay in the stalls and then it, it It'd be like a U-shaped stall after the cows are done laying on it. And this looks definitely a game changer. They took to that um, when they saw how level the beds were, the laydown rates uh, went up by quite a bit. And it was a lot more comfortable for them. You know, they weren't, they weren't uncomfortable. They weren't, um, the stalls were getting low in some areas. So then some cows were getting stuck as they were trying to get up. And so we were able to build up a lot of bedding up by their brisket so that when they munched to get up, they could get up. Um, so it's, there's a lot of things that we learned along the way. 
Yeah. And okay. So Jeremy, I know that I just saw an article about you in Dairy Herd Management uh, and I was talking about your repro, um, but I'm calling this out because it also referenced your use of activity monitors. So was there a correlation with how you you were able to kind of manage and uh, keep a tab on the adaptation of the cows to, you know, to this conversion process and the new bedding in the stalls based on their activity? Um, yeah. So, so we added cow manager back in August of 2020 and, um, it's, it's been a really good re- reproduction tool for us. It's been good for finding the sick cows before we can physically see they're sick. It's been really good for activity. Um, the breeders can just look at their phone and see who needs to be bred today. They've got a pretty good handle on ones that, um, that need to be bred or that maybe, maybe they'll breed them two days in a row. Um, that's kind of a rare occurrence, but that does happen sometimes. And they can tell like if they've already been past the heat, like, um, uh, that does, you know, that does happen as well. But, uh, it's been, it's been a really good, uh, system for us and it's worked really well. Um, and it's, it's, it was a little bit of a, um, a transition for the cows going to the bedding just because it's a little more slippery. So sand is much more abrasive, whereas the bedding is a little more slippery. Um, so we did go through and groove all of our barns. They haven't been grooved since we built them in 2002. Um, and sand over 21 years, that's what happens to grooves as they just get worn down. And so that was another thing that we did that really helped the footing of the cows when they're standing and walking around. So Jeremy, you mentioned that you that uh, adding that grooving was really an important decision in um, being able to just have that traction and that footing without sand bedding to be part of that. Uh, and so was there a specific depth or pattern of the grooving that you found to work really well? Yeah, so we went with the deep grooves. Um, Dick Meyer Company did that for us. They we did the grooves uh, half inch deep, and we went uh, three quarter inch, three quarter inch between each groove. Uh, so that allowed for the cow to have good footing, and that she could find that groove right away when she tries to get up or stand, that uh, she's not slipping her up. Yeah, yeah. So, so we've covered a few different uh, things that challenges that you've overcome in this whole conversion process. We talked about getting the stalls right um, for the amount of bedding and and going through the transition. We've talked about um, just even how how it's worked for you to find successful ways to get that um, that bedding and manure cleared out of the alleys. And then you've also talked about being able to support the cows and having that footing, which was another. Piece piece of this puzzle as you converted from sand to dry manure solids. Um, and you know, one of the big things that I know is, is on a lot of people's minds too, is that milk quality perspective that ties back into maintaining, um, you know, that, that drier, uh, moisture content, um, of the, of the manure solids and just being able to create that environment that isn't going to lead to milk quality issues that are going to be showing up in the parlor. So can you speak to that part of the conversion process too. Yes. Uh, so what we've been doing is where we do have a infrared uh, dryer that's drying the manure. Um, 
we right now it's not getting as dry as we would quite like. Uh, we're probably about 68% on the moisture. Uh, so what we've been doing to, until we can get it quite right is we've been using hydrated lime in the free stalls and what we do every, so every stall gets bedded three days a week. So we, so we'll go through and bed, uh, those three days a week. And then the other three, the other four days, we will level, just level the stalls, but then we will also put hydrated lime in after we level the stalls because it does bring up some of the moisture that's already in the stalls. Um, and so that's been a, that's a, that's a process. I mean, it's, it takes, uh, it takes a, an extra guy to get that done. And so in this process, we actually have added a little bit of labor to get that process done, but we feel like the labor we've added has been, uh, sufficient for us to get the job done. Um, we, uh, when we were on sand, we were always usually about 120 on somatic cell. Um, we did go up to as far as 180 this summer, but now over the last six weeks, we've been down under 150. Um, it's been, it's been really good as far as keeping that somatic cell low. We've had monthly milker meetings that we really focus on getting those teats clean and dry. We focus on um, st that stimulation in the parlor. We are trying to get um, up to 50% or more of the milk in the first two minutes. Uh, also, also the 15 pounds in the first two minutes. And so we actually have milkers that are checking the scorecard uh, after each milking to see how they did on the milking before, which is just an awesome thing to see. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like your employees have bought into wanting to be a part of producing high quality milk. They have, they have. Um, we, um, there was one instance actually where one shift was over, was underperforming versus the other shift. And, um, we, motivated them to, uh, to, to do better, to do a better job. And they, they rose to the challenge. And so they will get rewarded for that challenge. And, uh, it's good to see that, um, they, they stood up to or came up to the plate and hit it out of the park. Yeah. And so an integral part of the successful conversion is having that team on board with really just upping their game at the parlor side of things to make sure that somatic cell count and melt quality stayed in check and, and are at a spot that you can all feel really good about. Uh, did you notice any change uh, in pathogens that you're dealing with when you change bedding? Um, so we do, we do get a little more of the no growths. Um, we do get a little more of the strep hubrises, um, but there really hasn't been a lot of changes. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get a Klebsiella every now and again, but it hasn't been, it hasn't been an exponential amount. It's been under control for the most part. Um, you know, one of the facts is, you know, you will have a little bit more mastitis when you go from sand to solids. That's, that's a fact. Now, um, you know, with a lot of them being no growth, 
uh, we can move those cows through that mastitis pen a little bit quicker. And so um, that's been, that's something that we've just learned. Uh, we move cows around more. That's just, that's just the way it is. And we've adapted to it. Yeah. Yeah. And so it sounds like a, it's really, it's been a multi-prong approach to being successful and making this conversion from sand, the, uh, the gold standard that you probably got pretty used to being good at handling, um, given its benefits and also some of its headaches. Um, but you've also been able to really find a way to be successful with dried manure solids, um, and, and carry that through all the way to the milk quality that's being maintained and, um, and just being, you know, getting your team involved in their commitment, their continued commitment to producing quality milk. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if you mentioned it before, Jeremy, but, uh, but you said that, um, your, your target, uh, moisture level for dried solids, um, right now you're at like 68%, but you were hoping to get a little bit drier. Um, uh, I believe that's what you mentioned, right? Yes. Uh, our goal is to get to 60% or less on the moisture level. Um, we're now, we've, we've been working with, um, trying to get that dryer to work better than what it is. Um, it's been a little bit of a struggle, um, but we're always striving to do the best we can. We're learning a lot and we just take it day by day and try to keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. So looking to really hit that 60% moisture mark, are there any other factors that you're monitoring on the dried solid side? Like, uh, you know, looking for specific, uh, culturing, culturing it for pathogens itself or looking at pH, um, any other ways that you are monitoring the, the bedding that you're using? So the biggest, the biggest thing going forward is we'll be checking the dry matters on a weekly basis. Um, right now we're kind of doing it sporadically just because the dryer is not quite where we want it to be yet. Um, but we'll be doing that going forward to see, see where that moisture is and try to really dial in on yeah, excellent. Well, thank you for sharing what this experience has been like to you, like for you. And ultimately, thank you for sharing how you found ways to be successful during this conversion process. And so I'm curious if, uh, I, actually, I bet a lot of other dairy producers uh, tap you on the shoulder as they are going through these stages and changes as well and say, hey, Jeremy, <laughs> help us out. Uh, fast forward us through, uh, through the headaches and tell us what you've learned. So what are a couple of tips that you would offer to other producers that are just starting this process or just about to embark on it? Well, I would say one is to be patient, um, to have a lot of communication, ask a lot of questions. Um, don't expect, uh, don't expect it to go really smooth. Um, it's, you're going to have, you're going to have headaches along the way. Uh, it's a, it's, um, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, I would say. Um, and just keep, just keep communicating, uh, keep sharing, keep having weekly meetings. You know, we have a, we have a shop meeting every week and we talk about things and some thing, some weeks there's a lot of things to talk about. Other, other weeks there's not a whole lot. Um, we've talked about solids for quite a while and, talking about how to get this dryer working better than what it is now. And so it's just a constant, you know, and then with the, 
supply chain issues, that's always a kind of a question mark. Like, well, we ordered this part, but maybe it's not coming in for two weeks and you can't really do anything about it. You just have to adjust and that's just reality. That's just the way it is. Yeah. So, so that's a, that's good advice is just keeping those communication lines open with all of the parties involved and also having a realistic expectation that this is a learning curve and not a plug and play transition. So, uh, so just uh, those, those nuggets right there, Jeremy, um, I think will be helpful to our other listeners out there that are in that position of looking to bring dry manure solids into their barns and into their stalls. Um, and so, Jeremy, I want to shift gears for a moment here because there's another big change that's been happening at Wayside Dairy in the last year. It's been a big year for you guys with change, but good changes um, because you and your family recently brought in a non-family member into your business partnership. And, you know, like these transition stories and uh, the conversations about uh, positioning businesses to move forward, our dairy farming businesses, um, you know, oftentimes they do involve looking ahead and seeing who the right partners and key players are, whether they're family members or starting to look outside. So from your experience, recent experience here, tell us about that. So, um, so about a year and a half ago, uh, one of our partners, um, my partner Paul, he had he had shared with us that he wanted to retire from the farm, and it came as a little bit of a shock at first. Um, he's we didn't think he was quite at retirement age yet, but there were some things that happened in his life that he decided that it was time to retire. Um, he had talked about it maybe in six to seven years down the road, and things kind of changed, and so. Uh, the decision was made. Um, we supported him on it and we said, all right, we will, uh, you know, we will look for another partner. So we, so we had, uh, another partner in mind. So Jesse Dracek, um, he's been our manure hauler since 2014. And actually in that year, our current manure hauler, uh, was not going to be able to haul our manure. Um, they, he had, he had told us on October 25th or something like that, that he wouldn't be able to take care of us for the year. And so we just asked Jesse, he had worked with it in the past and, um, he had gotten some equipment to, to get it done and said, yep, I will, I'll haul your manure. And so flash forward now to, you know, 2022 and here we are talking about, um, you know, bringing him on board bringing him into the business. Um, we had known him uh, for quite some time. Our parents were good friends. They used to be in a card club together. And I think we even played t-ball with Jesse um, back when we were younger. But um, And so we, we had known him. We had known the family. And so we were, we were talking about it. And we had Originally, it's talked like six or seven years, and then things kind of shifted. And so uh, we adjusted, and he, he kind of adjusted his plan. We adjusted our plans, and it's been a, it's been a really good fit. Um, he's been here almost, almost been here a year now, um, full-time. And so um, he brings a different perspective. He really adopt, adapts to new technology. 
He's very well versed in the GPS systems with the with the field maps and manure maps and things like that. Um, and just brings a brings a new energy to the dairy and uh, somebody that we can um, that we can rub shoulders with and uh, we can kind of bounce things off each other and it's it's been a good fit. It's been a good fit so far. Yeah, so you brought Jesse in last year, and uh, and as you mentioned, he was just a good fit with his skill set and his mindset. And um, and uh, you know, from outside knowing you guys and your family, and knowing Jesse, um, both of you, I would say, also very strong in your values and uh, family, and um, doing the right things for the community. I mean, definitely a values alignment there too, huh? Yes. Yes. And we're both also very active in our faith life. Um, we both, we both do have a lot of the same values. Um, you know, Jenna has, uh, two kids. I have three kids and Jesse has four kids. And so it's kind of the, you know, we, we have it open to the next generation. If our kids are going to want to farm, we're going to leave that open to them if they would like to do that. And same with Jesse, if his kids want to farm someday, um, it just works out to be a really good, really good fit. Um, also that he is well-versed in the cropping side. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the cow guy and Jenna's in the office running the HR stuff and employee stuff and Jesse's out working with the feeders and working with the harvest and the field crew and the shop crew and things like that. So it's a, it's a good, it's a good fit all around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations on finding that right person and that's the right fit. And it just happened to be the right time for you and your family and for Jesse too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's amazing how things work out sometimes. And, uh, it was just, happen to be good good timing and you know time time schedules changed along the way and so we both kind of adapted to it and we worked out some things and uh yeah so he actually became partner on the first of the first of january of this year Ah, well, congratulations to you guys. And so when you talk about making him an official partner, 1st of January this year, there's a whole process in order to do that. And uh, I think it'd be helpful for other people to hear from you, having gone through this experience, who are some of the key people that played an important part in figuring out right all the, the structure and the agreements? Um, who did you lean on to guide you through that part of the decision? decision-making process? Uh, so it worked out that we both actually work with uh, the same lawyer. Uh, uh, George Tuig is who we work with. And then um, one of George's partners, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, um, Tim Schneider, is also uh, was Jesse's lawyer. And so um, we have been working with them to, uh, you know, get all the get all the things figured out that we need to figure out as far as ownership structure and things like that. And so, um, yeah, we really, really lean on them. We've had several meetings with them and, um, we're moving, moving forward with that process. 
Yeah. So you found the right partner to help usher through making those decisions and setting up the agreements and all the legal things that go along with bringing in a business partner. And, uh, and it's working out pretty good. And so Jeremy, I'm curious for you, this, this partnership, when you look ahead at the future of Wayside Dairy, what does this partnership mean to you? Um, it means, it means a lot. It means that, you know, we're, we're, we're all equals. Like when we, when we make decisions, so it's between Dan, my dad, Jenna, my sister, myself, and Jesse. Um, we all, we all consider ourselves one quarter of the team. And so, um, when we, if, if things come to a vote or things that we need to talk about, we value each other's opinions. We hear each other out. Um, when things have to be, uh, decisions have to be made on purchases or, uh, you know, do we rent this piece of equipment or do we buy this piece of equipment or do we rent this, um, you know, other, other things, um, other equipment that needs to be updated. Um, we really talk it through and so that we figure out, okay, is this something that we, is this something that we really need right now? Is this something that can wait a year or two? Is this something that's you know, we're always maintaining it, so maybe it needs an upgrade. Um, but we really talk through those options as uh, as they come up. Yeah. Well, congratulations on doing a thing that a lot of people would love the opportunity to do, and that's find that right person to be a partner in moving the business forward and and creating what that legacy can look like for that next generation. As you mentioned, there's a lot of kiddos between you, your sister, Jenna, and Jesse, and all of your families. So a bright future ahead for Wayside Dairy. Uh, and Jeremy, this has been so great to have you share what's made you successful and Wayside Dairy successful in these two big changes over the past year. Um, and now as we get towards the end of the podcast here, this is the point in the podcast when I ask you our up level five questions. And these are the five questions that are all about pushing your next level of performance personally and professionally. And so question number one that I have for you, Jeremy, is what does success look like to you? Success looks like to me is that you've got a, a working team that works really well with each other, that respects each other, that is all working toward a goal and all working towards the farm's success. Mm. I think you're nailing it. <laughs> it sounds like that's a that that you are living that success. So good, good for you. Um, in three words, how do you want to show up each day? Uh, ready prepared to be agile, to be or flexible. One of those two words, agile or flexible. Keywords on a day like today, right? Where we have, you know, two feet of snow outside of our windows here in Northeast Wisconsin. Exactly. Exactly. And Jeremy, who are a couple of thought leaders that you follow? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to say my dad is one of them. Um, my dad is, uh, he's always excited to tackle the next adventure. He's always got a good attitude. He's, um, he's like the eternal optimist and, um, which I am not the eternal optimist, <laughs> pretty, pretty, uh, positive guy, but 
I'm not always a positive guy, so I always look for him for direction. Yeah. And you know what, Jeremy? I know that uh, your dad is someone many people in our dairy community look to as a thought leader. And uh, personally, I've always appreciated the fact that he takes time for people. And I've seen him give back in so many ways to the dairy community and beyond through his mission work and um, all the things that, that he does. So what a great leader for all of us to look to. Yes, definitely. And Jeremy, question number four, what are the words that you live by? Be ready, be um, willing to adapt, be, um, but also be solid with who you are, with where your upbringing was, um, to keep, keep your moral values, um, and always, always try to lift people up. Try not to, try not to look at people in a down way or a negative way, but try to look at things in a positive way, look at people in a positive way. Yeah. And no doubt, Jeremy, that philosophy and mindset and those words are also key factors to what's making you successful as a dairyman, as a partner in Wayside Dairy and in these areas that we've talked about that you are tackling right now. And last question for you, up-level question number five, what is your next personal up level? That area of life that you're looking to take to the next level. Um, I am not a big reader, and so I I like to learn things, but I don't always take the time to read. And I'm going to be honest with you, I would like to listen to podcasts, but I don't right now. And so that is also one of my goals that I would like to do because. I like listening to uh, things like this and to learn about, you know, what is what is the next step in the dairy world? What is what is the next step that I should be doing to try to get better, to learn more things, and just to be a better overall person? Yeah. So, do you have a book on your list that you're looking to tackle? Um, so, I start when I was on vacation. I started reading. Um, Hank Wagner and Laura Bratz, Bratz's uh, book, uh, Simple Simple Miracles, and I I've gotten into a few of the pages, but I need to I need to keep reading that book. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, uh, you started and um, you went from a thought to an action. So I'm going to give you a gold star for that one, Jeremy. <laughs> now I just have to complete it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'll tell you what, this has been so great to have you on as a guest on the Up Level Dairy Podcast. We thank you for joining us today and for sharing these success factors that are helping you and Wayside Dairy to drive your next up level when it comes to whether it is adapting to dried manure solids or bringing in a new business partner and whatever else the future holds. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, Peggy. Okay. 
so if you're curious about how Jeremy is maintaining his stalls, I have a little extra bonus content for you. Head on over to upleveldairy.com and you can check out some photos and videos right from Jeremy's barn at Wayside Dairy. And while you're at upleveldairy.com, go ahead and join the Uplevel Dairy community because we are starting a monthly giveaway where one lucky member of our email list will receive a special Uplevel Dairy gift box each month with some favorite things, including a book recommended by Jay Joy, 4D egg bibbed waterproof bib overalls, and a handy cell phone holder complete with Uplevel Dairy right on it. And if you're looking for another great resource for daily dairy news, make sure to check out Dairy Agenda Today's podcast, What's on the Agenda, for market news, upcoming sales, show results, and the latest genomic information and industry news. And you can find that on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. This episode is sponsored by Up Level Dairy Podcast founding partner Adiseo, a global leader in nutritional solutions and premier provider of rumen protected methionine for dairy producers who want to optimize milk production, capture more value from components, and maintain the health of their high-performing herds. Feed is the greatest expense on any dairy operation, and don't you want to know how an adjustment to the ration will affect your bottom line? Adiseo empowers producers and nutritionists to make informed ration balancing decisions with MilkPay.com. Customizable to your dairy's own data, this profitability calculator puts the power of real-time milk market information in the palm of your hand. Find out how much your latest ration change is really costing you with the free MilkPay app available on iOS and through MilkPay. Thank you for listening to the Up Level Dairy Podcast. I'm your host, Peggy Coffeen. And if you like what you heard today, go ahead and head on over to upleveldairy.com to read the blog and join the Up Level Dairy email list so you can receive new podcasts, blogs, and special offers coming soon from Up Level Dairy straight in your inbox. To listen to more episodes, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube, and don't forget to rate and review. Connect with me, Peggy, at Peggy at UpLevelDairy.com, and follow Up Level Dairy on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn.